John chapter 9, verse 18, and it reads, But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight. Look at somebody next to you. Ask them, can you see? Can you see? Can you see? Look back and say no, because the lights are all dark. I can't see nothing. I, I know what's wrong with this church. They got this stupid smoke. I feel like I'm at a Snoop Dogg concert. I can't, can't see my sermon notes. I can't see nothing. I just can't deal with these young people. Anyway, and until they called his parents and had him and asked him, has he received his sight? And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who you say? was born blind. It's not my message. Everybody always will try to excuse away a miracle. It, it is the heart of, of, of carnality to try to rationalize the almighty hand of God. He couldn't have been blind. This is not your son who was born blind. How then does he now see? His parents answer them and say, we know that this is our son and that he was born blind. But by what means he now sees, we do not know. Or who opened his eyes, we do not know. He is of age, ask him. He a grown man. Ask the man. He will speak for himself. Watch this. His parents said these things. We preach it? Because they didn't want to lose their status. They feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if anyone confessed that he was Christ, he would be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, he is of age, ask him. So they said, my son could get kicked out of church, but I ain't going to get kicked out of church. No, it ain't going to happen. So they again called the man who was blind and said to him, give, give God the glory. We know that this Jesus is a sinner. He answered and said, whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I know, that though I was blind, now I see. I have a message for you today entitled, Don't Be the Hero. Don't be the hero. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're grateful for the stuff. We're grateful for our family and our kids and healing and the finances and the open door and but God, you mean more to us than stuff. You're not just some genie that we rub the right way and get a wish. You're our father. You're our friend. You are maker of heaven and earth. And God, we come together as a community to say, God, we want to know you. We want to see you. We want to experience you like we've never experienced you before. Have your way in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, somebody shout amen. And amen and amen. We started a brand new series last week called One More. Somebody say One More. With this random idea that we don't think a lot about Columbia. And that is that God needs our help. We, we, we think about God being all-powerful and almighty and, 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 and all-sufficient, and, and you kind of think, what can I offer God? What can I add unto God? Well, you can offer him your worship and your praise. Somebody say amen. He is, he is worthy of our adoration. We can offer him our lives. Paul said this in Galatians. He said, it is no longer I who live. 
But this life that I now live, I live through Christ. In other words, Paul said, I'm not living for my own goals. I'm now living for an audience of one. But God said, there's one thing that you can help me with. He said, you can help me gather my lost children. You can help me gather. What? Genesis 127. This Bible says, we were made in the image of God. So he said, amen. It didn't say Christians were made in the image of God. It says mankind was made, was made in the image of God. So that Muslim was made in the image of God. That atheist was made in the image of God. That I don't know what I believe was made in the image of God. And God says, I've got some kids out there that are bearing my image, but they don't know who their father is. And I need a sibling to run and tell them he's not mad at you. He doesn't hate you. He's not disgusted with you. He, he's not embarrassed by you. He shed his blood for you. God says, will you help me find... Th think about if you had a kid that was lost. The only two things you would do is eat enough to not die and search for that kid. Matter of fact, you would pick your relationships based on who helped you look for your lost kids. Any friends that said they didn't have enough time to help you find your lost kids were no longer like, we ain't cool? No. No, we ain't cool. Because I've got a kid that's lost, and that's all that matters right now. Here's the thought that I want to unpack today, though. For, for so many people, when it comes to sharing our faith with other people, when it comes to, to going to people who do not know God the way that we, there's an intimidation. There's a, what, what, what if I don't know what to say? What, what if they ask me a question and, and I don't know the answer to that question? What, what if they ask me about, about this gospel or about this or that? Or what if they ask me to prove that God is real? I'm not quite sure. I, I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to be overbearing. I don't, anybody ever, don't raise your hand. You ever been concerned about being considered that like super spiritual Bible thumper? You're like, I don't, I don't want to be that person at work that, 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 oh, Always talking about Jesus and, and a demon under every bush, and the world is coming to an end. And those, they, you just kind of sound like a doomsday prepper who collects canned sodas and has a whole bunker in your basement. That's just, that's just not a good look. In our passage in John chapter nine, we we come across this story where this young man was born blind. They came to Jesus and asked Jesus if he can heal him. And there's so much in scripture. The, the, the disciples asked Jesus, who sinned that this young man was born blind? Was it his parents who sinned or did he sin? First of all, how is an embryo going to sin enough? <laughs> to do? One of the things about humanity is it always wants to ascribe blame. And can I help you out here? There's only three people to blame. You either blame God, you either blame yourself, or you blame somebody else. Who, whose fault is this that I'm in this? Who, who sinned? And look what Jesus said. He said, nobody sinned. He said, this didn't just happen because of He said, this happened because we live in a broken world. And in a broken world, things break. 
But Jesus said, here's an opportunity for me to prove to the world who I am and why I came. I am going to heal this. Anybody would love a touch from God, a healing from God, an encounter with God. Sometimes he said, I want to know you. And then God mess around, do something like, (laughs) could you imagine being blind? You can't see it coming. But all you hear is, this is where I get upset, because I know he could have laid hands on me if he wanted me to. He could have just spoken. He raised a girl from the dead without even showing up at her house. You don't spit on me. This, by the way, Jesus spit twice. This was the worst one. The last guy, he just spit on the guy. This guy, he spits in the mud and makes a mud pie. And boom! I don't need to be healed anymore. I'm fine just the way I am. I'm good. And then Jesus says, go wash yourself in the pool. And as he went, he was healed. The only problem is Jesus didn't fit into the religion of that time. And the religious folks got upset because Jesus didn't follow their rules. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. But I don't know if you notice, he doesn't have to play by your rules. He's not playing the same game that we're playing. He, he can heal in a parking lot. He can heal at a CVS. He can heal on a random Friday. He doesn't need a catalyst. He doesn't need a Sunday morning. And he definitely doesn't need a pastor in their room for healing to take place. He said, I just need just a mustard seed of faith. Somebody that can believe I can do what I said I can do and watch me move. So they got all upset and they said, this is uh, unacceptable. He healed on the Sabbath and, and we've got to figure this out. They call his parents and, and they said, tell, tell the truth. Your son was faking these 33 years. He wasn't really blind. Okay, yeah, that's, 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 that's possible. He's faking for 33. Then how did he get? And because they were so afraid. To, if you got kicked out of the synagogue, nobody would do business with you. You couldn't get a mortgage. You couldn't get a job. You couldn't sell anything for you. You were an outcast of society. And they said, losing our social status is not worth testifying to the goodness of God. Ask my son. And they corner him and he finally says, I don't know who this man is. But here's what I do know. Yesterday, I couldn't see And today, I'm looking at your ugly mug. And I kind of wish I still couldn't see. Once I was blind, now I can see. For the next few minutes that we have together, I'm going to try to take away the intimidation of how do I share the hope and the joy and the freedom that I have in Christ with other people. First thought is this, write this down, write this down. Start, start with your real story. Sometimes just the sermon point 
preaches because there's the story and then there's the real story. You, you ever been around a couple? Maybe they're dating or maybe they're married or whatever. And you, you, you know, you, you don't know what to say. It's kind of awkward. So you ask them the, the typical couple question. How'd y'all meet? And they lock eyes. And there's a pause. And as they pause, you know what's going on. There, there is a mental processing of which story do we tell them? Because there's the Olivia Pope story that we have manufactured for the world. And then there's what actually went down. You asked me and Pastor Zai uh, how we met, how we started dating. There, there, there's two stories. There, there's her story. And then there's the truth. She's not here preaching and she's not on the calendar, so she can't even clean this up. But you, you, you ask her what, what, what our first date was. And, and I, I keep on telling her she's a pastor. She's a woman of God. She can't keep lying to the people, but the truth is just not in her. She'll say, the first date we went on, he gave me 15 minutes notice. We were at a church service, and after the service, he asked me out and said, hey, let's go somewhere. The only place that was open was Double T Diner on Route 40. You'd only know Double T if you're from Baltimore, but if you're not from Baltimore, just take our word for it. It's, it's what you would think a diner would be. Here's how much of a diner it was, and I am not making this up because you couldn't make this kind of stuff up. When we get there and we're walking in the door, a man is on a gurney, and they are carting him out into an ambulance because he tried this sweet potato pie that had been in the glass case for the last four months. And We go and we sit down. I order food. She orders food. She's nervous. I'm nervous. We do the little small talk deal. And, and then I look across the table and I said, well, we've been friends for a while. And I've been noticing you noticed me. And, <laughs> and I was thinking. And when I said I was thinking, I took a glass of water and I took a sip of water. And the water went down the wrong Whatever it is when you choke on water. And it's not like it just tricked. It went all the way down. Y'all, I am, I am literally drowning in front of her. I can't breathe. Tears are coming down my eyes. I'm coughing. And this stone cold killer that I married, she didn't flinch. She didn't say, are you okay? She didn't say, can I help? Would you like a napkin? She said... True story. So when I finally came to, I'm like purple and blue and all this other kind of stuff. I said, so what do you think? <laughs> to this day, she's my wife, but I never asked her to be my girlfriend because I choked right in the middle of it. And this is how you knew she was feeling your man. because She's like, yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. I think that's a good idea. <laughs> that's her version of the, that, that wasn't our first date. That's, that's why she's lying. Was, that wasn't a date. That I paid, yes, but that wasn't a date. 
That was a, do you want to date me? After she said yes, the next Friday was the first date in which I picked her up in Samaria, I mean Lanham. Why is PG so far? Drove her two hours to the Liberty Bell in Philadelphia in which a horse-drawn carriage was awaiting us. Why outside in a horse-drawn carriage? Because it was December, y'all. It was cold. So I said, come, let me, let me, let me warm you up. I felt like Boaz. I put, I put my blanket over her and said, I will cover thee. We took the carriage down cobblestones, as the historian told us about the different things about this history that we didn't care about, because it's not why we came. And then I took her to Cuba Libre. <laughs> then I drove her back home. That, that was the first. Her story's wrong. My story's right. <laughs> or at least it is. To Sometimes. When we share our story of coming to Jesus, sometimes when, when we're talking about our, our life and our relationship with God and, 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 and what our journey to Jesus has looked like, we kind of take that pause of which story should I tell? Because there's two stories, both true, but not necessarily both accurate. There's a story of, yes, I was raised in church. Yes, my parents did drag me to church. Yes, I did have a Bible at six years old. And yes, I did pray that prayer when they made me. And I can tell that story. But there's another story that kind of started around sophomore year of high school. And it couldn't really kind of get out there because I was still under their roof. But freshman year is when this story really started to develop. And it's really after I graduated that the story kind of took a dark turn. And if I were to tell this story for real, it's not until about 27, 28 where, where my faith became real to me. If you had asked me when I was a Christian, I would have told you my whole life. But when did I surrender? That's a different story. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses. Somebody say Witnesses witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. God says, I'm going to give you my power. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And by the way, do you know what the evidence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit is? Tongues, prophecy, Holy Ghost, falling, laughing. Here's what the Bible boldness. And a boldness will come on. I need you to be a bold witness. You, you know what a witness is? A witness is someone that simply says what they've experienced, what they saw. 
you get in a car accident, you're looking for a witness to, to tell the judge, it wasn't my fault. They ran the red. They, and when a witness comes, they, they, they sit down in the chair and, and then the, uh, the sheriff comes over with the Holy Bible and they put one hand on the Bible and they, they put one hand up and they say, I swear to tell the truth, the whole truth. And nothing but the truth. Oh, stop. I'm sorry, y'all. That Kirk Franklin in 1996 just started coming out. It is a witness's job to simply tell the truth. You know what happens when, when a witness doesn't tell the truth? They go to jail. It's called perjury. It's told, you're trying to manipulate the outcome of what is going on in this courtroom by withholding or not sharing the truth. If I try to tell you I've always been saved and I grew up in church and my daddy's the pastor and, and I love Jesus my whole life and I never really sinned that much and I prayed the prayer as soon as I learned how to speak and I got filled with the Holy Ghost the next day and I've been following Jesus. Watch this. It makes me the hero of my own story. And if I'm talking to someone who needs a savior, if I'm talking to someone who needs a hero, if I'm talking to someone that needs somebody to come and rescue them out of depression and out of fear and out of pride and out of insecurity, me being the hero of my own story helps no one. If I say I was strong and I was holy and I was worthy and I, I had it all together, then you know what their response is? Good for you. I'm glad that helped you. I'm not that. Most people think that they can't have a relationship with God because they're not strong enough to live a certain way. And they're waiting for somebody to come and say, let me tell you the real story. Yes, I was raised in church. And yes, my dad was a pastor. And yes, I was on the drums, playing drums at 12 years old. But I did not know the God of the church. And I was overwhelmed by the double life that I was living. And they knew I was the pastor's kid. So they'd make me say the prayer on the football team. So we're huddling up, ready to go to play. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be. And then I go out there and cuss like a sailor because at 13, that's what you do when you, when you, you, I, you know, you got no business cussing when you can't even put it in a sentence right. You, you, some, some people, but that cuss, it's an art form. It's just like, that was poetic. And then some people, it's just like, you know, that's not who you are. True story. I remember being in my room as a teenager and being so overwhelmed with the duplicity of my life. I remember portraying one thing to the church and my parents and knowing that I was something else. And I remember coming to the point where I said, I can't do this anymore. I remember the prayer that I prayed. I said, God, if you're real. I don't know why he ain't kill me right then. My dad is finding out right now that I wasn't saved when he thought I was saved. Y'all pray for me. It's going to be a long day after I get out of church. <laughs> God, if you're real, prove yourself to me, and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. But God, if you're not real, 
I thought it was a funny verse. As soon as I turned 18, because my dad had killed me if I wasn't in church every Sunday. As soon as I move out, I ain't never coming back to church. And I remember in my, I didn't get saved in a church. I didn't get saved walking an altar. I didn't get saved in a connect. I got saved in my room. I remember literally feeling guilt and shame fall off of my shoulder. I remember feeling a peace sweep in. I remember God proving himself to me in that moment. Romans chapter 10 verse 15 says this. How will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet. (laughs) The Romans were sneakerheads. How beautiful are the feet of messengers, watch this, who bring good. Can I say something real kind of controversial? Don't take it. If the Bible was enough to get saved, everybody who opens a drawer at a hotel would be a Christian. God says they need to hear the good news through your feet. What do your feet represent? Your feet represent what you've walked through, what you've experienced, what's your story, and how does the good news tie into your story? Maybe your story is not that your dad was a pastor and you grew up in church. Maybe your story is nobody in my house went to church, and I kind of just grew up, kind of just whatever it is, it is, and, and I found myself in a dark place, and then Somebody at work invited me to church and I walked in the room kind of feeling they were going to judge me and not quite sure what was going to happen. And without even realizing it, tears were streaming down my face. But it's the first time I ever cried and it felt like a peaceful cry instead of a cry of anguish. And I encountered this Jesus that they were talking. And if I'd be honest with you, I didn't get saved the first Sunday that I came. I prayed the prayer the fourth Sunday that I came. And if I'd be honest with you, I didn't stop drinking until three years after that. And, 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 and It is your story that paints a picture of the hope of Jesus that people can connect to. By the way, you know that's how Jesus won you, right? John chapter 1 verse 14, and the word became Jesus said, if I stay up here and say, hey, y'all, get your act together and come up here, they'll never make it. He said, I've got to put on human. I've got to put on their experience and go down to where they are. Not changing the fact that I'm God, but walking in their shoes so that they can see hope in me. Hebrews 4.15 says this. We don't have a high priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, but the sin. So let's walk right up to him. And get what he's so ready to give us. Take the mercy, accept the help. We don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality, but we have a church that may be out of touch with reality. We don't have a God that's out of touch with reality, but we have some Christians that are just kind of on that broken record that all we know how to say is God is good all the time and all the time God is good. No, 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 no. That's not your real story. The real story is sometimes I get discouraged and sometimes I get overwhelmed and sometimes I get selfish and sometimes I sin and he still says every time that I come back that he's forgiving and that he's faithful and that he's long. That's the real. Look at somebody telling me what's your real story. Come on, what's the, what's the, what's the real 
Second thing, write this down. Your influence has kingdom on it. Your influence has, has kingdom on it. Uh, typically, when we think about sharing our faith, you picture, um, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm from Baltimore through and through. And if you watch it online from Kansas, you don't know nothing about Baltimore. If you're from PG County, you've probably never been to Baltimore. But we got this thing in Baltimore called Lexington Market. And Lexington Market, that's where you go where you ain't got no cable, but you just need some entertainment. You just, I just need to see something. You're liable to get anything at Lexington Market. You get a chicken box at Lexington Market. You may get stabbed at Lexington Market. It just depends on what day it is or what's... When we think about sharing our faith, oftentimes we think of some crowded place sitting on a, on a milk carton with a bullhorn in our hand. Turn or burn! If you were to die tonight... Do you know where you'd spend eternity? <laughs> Come on. Squeeze your neighbor's hand. Do you need to walk the aisle? I'll go with you. Ask your neighbor. Ask your neighbor. Ask your neighbor. Do you? I, anybody grew up in church like that? Yeah. <laughs> Look at your neighbor. Say, I'll go with you. I'll walk up. <laughs> Not saying people don't get saved that way. Can, can I say something crazy? But that kind of witnessing doesn't take any boldness. Because I'll never see that person again. They brought the parents and they said, tell the truth. He's not the Messiah. He's not the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He's a fraud. He's a liar. What happened to your son? And they did the same pause that we do when we're trying to figure out what story to tell. But their pause was more of a calculation of what do I have to lose? Well, if I say that our son was blind and he was healed, they may kick us out the synagogue. And if they kick us out the synagogue, I won't get that promotion. They're going to look at me funny. They're going to label me as that Bible thumper. They're going to say, oh, you're extra. Oh, you think you're better than us now just because you got some Jesus on your life or whatever. They were missing the fact that maybe God put them there. In that space, in that room, in that moment, as he told Esther, for such a time as the, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11, you will be made rich. Somebody say amen. Uh, that, listen, if you want to say amen, that's, that's a good place to say amen. That's, Pastor, I don't even know where you're going with this, but amen. What does amen mean? Let it be unto me according to your word. Let's try this again. You will be made rich. Amen. In every way. So that you can be generous in every way. Such generosity produces thanksgiving to God through us. God says, I'm going to give you more than enough so that you can give it away. And watch this. When you give it away, people are going to ask you why. And when they ask you why, don't you dare take credit. Point to Jesus. Now, here's what we think. We think rich, money, generous, poor. Got it. We don't realize that when you have a marriage that's full of joy, full of peace, in unity, heading in the right direction, that, that, that you've got more than most people. And as you're sitting in that barber chair getting your shape up, 
He hangs up with his old lady. Can't stand it. Mm. I was talking. To, I told her. Mm. Ladies, that does not happen at barbershops. This is completely figurative. This has never happened before. And I'll, we'll talk about it men's night. Anyway, so, this has happened at every barbershop except the ones owned by Christians. It probably happens there too. Then he goes, women are, they always, look at somebody next to you and say, this is your moment. This is your moment to be generous with what God's given you abundance. This is where you say, I don't know about all women, but as for my woman, that's not true for her. She, she got my back and, and she covers me and she, she, yeah, she irritates me sometimes, but, but we make up and it's fun to make up and, and that, that, that's your moment to be, but we don't because we're afraid of losing our bro card. We're afraid of being put on the outside of the in circle of commiserating people. We're, we're, we're afraid to, to say, I'm sorry the boss hates you, but I actually got favor with the boss. God, and God, and God, God, you've missed the reason why I've blessed you. I haven't blessed you just to enjoy your blessings in the... Yeah, yeah, you ever seen somebody like they get, get their food or whatever it may be and they run off in a corner and they're just, just I don't know if this is a movie or animal planet or where but it's just like I, someone's like no that's my life pastor I had seven siblings and it's the only way I got to eat a whole meal just, yeah. that's, how, that's how some of us live our Christian lives we, we, we come to church and, and God blesses our marriage he blesses our money he blesses our, our, our business he blesses our kids okay guys let's go back in the house let's Let's, let's kind of enjoy our blessings but from this mean, nasty world. God says, no, you are a city on a hill. You are a billboard. You are a message to the world. This is what it looks like to walk in the favor and anointing and the grace. And you can have this life too. So your work ethic at your place of employment, does it send the message that God is great? Or does it send the message of I do just enough to not get fired? Come on now. How you talk about your kids, how you talk about your spouse, how, how you support your friends in seasons that they can't support you, how you live your, does it, does it send them, I'm different. I didn't say I'm better, I just said I'm different. I didn't say I'm more important, I just said I'm different. It's different, I'm not, I'm not the same as you, I'm I'm not better. I'm not above. I'm not looking down. I'm just different. Esther chapter 4 verse 14 says this. If you remain completely silent, relief and deliverance will arise from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows? Whether you became partner of that firm. 
Whether that's the place that you got placed for your residency. Whether this is the client that hired you to be their real. Who knows? If that teacher called you in to have a parent-teacher meeting with your. For such a time. Your influence is not just yours. It's for his kingdom. Last thing is this. Write this down. Look for God moments and ripe fruit. What, 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 if, what if they ask me a question I can't answer, Pastor? Like, like, like what if they ask me, how do you know Jesus is the only way? Why can't it be Allah or Buddha or Confucius or some? Don't all roads lead to heaven? No, they don't. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Hold on, don't clap yet. I'm going to say, so I say yes. Can I tell you why? Because no other deity, which are not real, but even claimed to be able to remove sin. No other deity said, I have taken your sin on me and died for your... Here's what every other religion says. If you do enough good... To outweigh your bad, maybe it'll work out for you in eternity. Jesus, Jesus said there's no amount of good that you can do that can erase that. Only shed. Why is Jesus still? Because he's the only one that claimed to be able to remove. He's the only one who gave his life. Well, I'm just, how, how, do you, how do you know heaven and hell are real? Well, because the one that in my deepest depression gave me peace that surpasses all understanding. Because when I was paralyzed by guilt and shame, his forgiveness come. The one who changed my life said it's real. And because he's done that many things in my life, why would he lie to me? No, no, I, 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 I trust him. Well, what's, what's with all the rules? What's, what's with all the rules? I, I mean, I, I, I can live any way I want to live. Who, who is he to tell me how I should live and what I should do? And, and, and oh, I, I, I had fun with this one. I, I, I thought, could you imagine putting gasoline in a diesel engine? Why, why I got to put diesel in the diesel engine? Because that's what it was made for. You, you could put gasoline in a diesel engine. That'll be the last day that car drives. Because that car wasn't made to drive on that fuel. If you've got a problem with it, take it up with the manufacturer. I'm sorry, humans weren't made to drive on sin. If you've got a problem with it, take it up with the manufacturer. Why is sin so bad? Because it ruins your engine. Leaves you stalled in a ditch. Come on, look at here. Don't end up in a roadside ditch. <laughs> Some of y'all watch commercials like me. Matthew chapter 10, verse 19 says this, but when they deliver you up, do not worry about how or what you should speak, for it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. You can play. I'm going to be done. Here's the whole point. Don't worry about getting stumped with questions. 
You have the Holy Spirit. He'll, he'll Leonard Ravenhill, one of the greatest revivalists in our era, said this. A man with an experience is never at the mercy of a man with an argument. How do you know? Once I was blind. And now I can see. Yeah, but is he really God? Once I was blind. And now I can see. How, how do you know this? This is not some made up religion to, to control and manipulate people. You get a little irritated because I say it three times. Once I was blind. Did you not hear me? I was discouraged. I was overwhelmed. I was stressed. I was depressed. I was empty. I was lost. And when I turned to Jesus, I found peace. I found joy. I found purpose. I found fulfillment. I began to see his favor and grace in every area of my... Once I was blind and now I, I ain't got nothing else for you. And here's the wild thing. Blind people would get really excited about that story because they've been looking for a solution. I'm a priest of prayer. Blind people who think they can see, all they want to do is argue. So here's the thought. The Bible says that the world is like a field and people are a harvest. John 4.35 says this, do not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they are already what? Jesus was sitting in a field with his disciples. And in that village, it was the custom of the men to wear white turbans on their heads. You may have seen different sects in, in, in Arab countries with those white turbans. So when he said, you say, and they're looking at the wheat, that it's four months until this harvest is, he said, look up. And see, and he would have, and it would have been a city full of just white turbans moving around their business, doing their day. He said, "The fields are there's people that are ripe." For, so here's my prayer: God, send me to the person who's ready. No one has ever been argued into the kingdom of God. No one has ever been convinced. In, Let me tell you what the calm down, calm down, calm down, calm down. The Bible says one man waters, one man plants a seed, God brings the increase. One encounter may be just, I'm sowing a seed that God is the way. Another encounter may be, I'm watering something that your grandma started 12 years ago. and is, I, I may not, but I'm, God, send me. I remember I was in college and I had this, this roommate and he was, he, was, he was just having his good old college time, drunk every weekend, just, I mean, having a good time. And he figured out after he invited me to four parties and I didn't come to, that I was different. Why don't you come to these parties? And I'm like, well, I'm the youth pastor at my church and, and I can't get drunk because that gets me fired. And, and not just that, I actually love Jesus and I don't, I don't live like that. And, and I remember we were sitting in our room one day and he said, Stephen, what are you doing? He said, Stephen, this is you and this is life passing you by. <laughs> like he had all hand signals. He said, you're missing out on life. I'm like, that's fine. I'm good. You want to come to church with me? Nope. Don't do church. That's fine. And he, I lived, I loved him, never judged him, did my own thing. One day I walk in the room, he's sitting on the couch. And 
so Stephen, how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you know God's real? And there was a different tone in his voice. And I said, well, because I did what the Bible told me to do and I got the results that it said I would get. I, I cast my cares upon him and he responds by giving me a peace that surpasses all understanding. He knew my story with my mom battling cancer and all this other good stuff. And he goes, I need God. I said, what happened? I said, my mom just got diagnosed with cancer. I said, all of a sudden, everything that I relied on seems like I can't rely on it anymore. I'm ready for your God. I ain't had to argue. I ain't had to convince. I ain't had to walk through, well, here's how Confucius is wrong, and here's... here's Here's Jesus that takes every burden and responds with mercy and grace. He said, I want that, Jesus. Here's my prayer. God, I'm going to use my story. God, I'm going to use my influence. But God, send me to ripe harvest. Send me to people that are saying, what must I do to be saved? Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful for it. God, for the fact that you sent somebody to find us. It might have been a parent, a sibling, a coworker, a friend. It might have been some random mailer in the mail. But God, in that moment when we were blind, you stepped in and you, you gave us the ability to see. And God, I'm praying over every single person under the sound of my voice. God, that you would fill us with the Holy Ghost. That we would have boldness to live our faith out loud. Right where you're sitting, can you pray this prayer with me? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? And just give God a moment to make this time, make this message personal to you. Before we close, I've got to give those of you in the room an opportunity, if you'd be honest, to say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus the way that you're talking about it. You may miss it. I give my testimony every Sunday. I always end services by saying, maybe you're like me. Maybe you grew up in church, but didn't know the God of the church. That's my story. Or maybe you didn't grow up in church, but you know everything I used to rely on, I can't rely on anymore. I need something that can give me hope, peace, purpose, and forgiveness. If that's you, this moment is for you. Jesus is for you. He's just waiting for you to respond to the work that he already did on the cross so that you can be a part of his family. Right where you're sitting, right where you're watching online, wherever you find yourself, you say, Pastor, that's me. Pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus. Come on, say it with faith. Say, I'm ready. I'm finally ready. Thank you for loving me, for seeing me. Thank you for dying on the cross for shedding your blood for my sin, for my mistakes. I surrender. I give you all of me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on. Can you celebrate for every single person that just made the greatest decision ever?